Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. You know, we had the whole show mapped out, what we were going to talk about, what we were going to do. And then the NFL decided to completely fuck that up for us. Not that it's a bad thing, but yo. I think they heard rumor that your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, was going to make it in studio today and decided to give everybody a curveball. But Coach is not making it in for this one. However, though, there is a 50-50 he will be here for the entertainment edition because he really wants to talk to the Batman. Yeah. He really like he really wants to talk that movie. Oh yeah. But that's not what you tuned in for. You tuned in for some sports talk. And we definitely want to interact with you. So after the podcast, you gotta make sure you swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. We're all right there. We all talk to everybody. Check out Parlay Points, new blogs dropping this week. The T Public Store. Perfect time for a sale this week, Pad. Yeah. So you definitely can get some new ODPH swag in for the St. Paddy's Day season. So it's also getting nice out there. Might need to freshen up the uh, old wardrobe a little bit. You know how it goes. Soon we stop getting fucking snow in the Northeast, but you know. Yeah, there, it'll happen someday. But that's why you can get hoodies, you can get t-shirts, you can get mugs, you know, drink hot chocolate or whatever you'd like yeah. to put in your beverage dispensers there. Whatever the case is, we got it there at the T-Ball Store. All of that and so much more is ODPHpodcast.com. But you tuned in to hear some sports and that's what we're going to give to you. And Pad... He alluded to it. The NFL decided to make some noise right before we went on air. So let's break down this madness, shall we? Yeah, so we'll start with the one we know for certain is happening. The other one's a little more we know is happening, but it's a little hazy on details. But the one we know is happening uh, was announced at 217, and I'm reading from a quote from ESPN's Adam Schefter. Trade package. Seattle gets quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Font, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. Denver, in return, gets Russell Wilson and a fourth-round draft pick. Good Lord. Well, on the scorecard of I was not expecting this move, this has to be pretty high on there. I was expecting something, you know, not necessarily today, but obviously since Peyton Manning retired and kind of left a, a giant gaping void the size of his forehead, uh, at the quarterback position, you know, they've, it's an, it's a need they've needed to address. I mean, let's not forget in the 2020 COVID season, things got so bad that I think at one point, one of their wide receivers was their starting quarterback, you know, and, and that's nothing to say against the gentlemen that have played quarterback since Peyton Manning left. They're all fine individuals. Just none of them are that guy that can get you over the hump, get you into the playoffs and, and get you to a Super Bowl win. I mean, let's face facts. As much as I love Drew Locke and dancing to put on by uh, Jeezy, it's not going to get you a Super Bowl anytime soon. Facts. So it's a need they've wanted to address for a while. It's a need that John Elway has wanted to address for a while. And for the longest time, you know, since they hired the old offensive coordinator out of uh, Green Bay, it was rumored that Aaron Rodgers would uh, might be going out there, that they'd be targeting Aaron Rodgers. And let's face it. With things as up in the air as they might have been or appeared to be with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay for for 
If you were a team, and there's a few of them that need a quarterback, you'd be stupid to not at least investigate and do your diligence on what it would take for you to get Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. You know, so then obviously we'll get to the Aaron Rodgers stuff in a minute. That domino fell. And then whether it's connected or not, you know, Adam Schefter and some of the other NFL insiders are saying it's not. I think you can't say that. Uh, you can't say that. It's definitely affected. You know, once the Aaron Rodgers news came down, and again, we'll get to that in a minute, you know, it got announced that Russell Wilson was going to Denver, you know, and, and it makes all the sense in the world for them, you know, with the exception of the freak hand injury he had, you know, this past season. Still a damn good quarterback. He's still a great quarterback, and this move is more puzzling so with him going to Denver, who's not exactly a playoff team at this moment. Mm -hmm. That's what's really throwing me off, because obviously Russell Wilson, who has been the catalyst for any kind of winning in Seattle, to now ask for that trade or whatever the case was that we all had an idea he was going to be parting ways with Seattle. It was either him or Pete Carroll. And and it's been rumored not just this offseason, but it was – coming out of last offseason as well. Oh, yeah. There was the rumored four cities he'd go yep. to. And it was all really puzzling about what his end game was going to be. Yeah, because it was reported. He, I'm looking at his contract on Spotrack.com. Uh, he does have a full no-trade clause. And I know Fox's uh, Jake Laser did report that there was a list of teams, as you alluded to, that he would waive his no-trade clause for, and Denver was one of them. But it's so weird to think that at this stage in his career that he'd want to go to – Dare I say a mirror image of what he had in Seattle? Kind of. I mean, you got Jerry Judy there, who's not a bad wide receiver. He's he's decent. You know, about the same offensive line, if we're being honest. Yeah, that's the whole point. If you're still having those same issues, why would you agree to go there? I mean, that's the thing about the NFL is there's so much parity. Sure, could Denver bounce back this year? Yeah, absolutely. But as we're looking at that roster right now, I don't see how this is an upgrade for him personally. I think that if he had looked to a team, maybe a Pittsburgh, maybe a Denver like we've alluded to. Right. Or not Denver, I'm sorry, Tennessee instead of Denver. That's where it would have jumped in and maybe really kind of said something. Right. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the Denver Broncos depth chart as it is uh, listed on ESPN.com. They've got Melvin Gordon III listed as their starting running back. Uh, Jerry Judy is one of their wide receivers. They've also got Cortland Sutton. uh, Tim Patrick is their other two wide receivers. And then they've got Albert uh, O-K-W-U-E-G-B-U-N-A-M uh, as their starting tight end. So it's not bad. It's it's all right. You can use a few upgraded pieces, but, hey, you got the draft coming here. You got free agency coming. You know, they, they can make some moves. Offensive-minded coach. And plus the thing I just kept hearing with the discussion around Russell Wilson leaving uh, Seattle was the rebuild and didn't want to be there and, and Pete Carroll situation. Absolutely. You know, so I get why he wanted out, whether he forced his way out or just kind of like gave enough information without being rude. Well, you have to think about the success they've had with that nucleus in Seattle. Yeah. Wilson and Carroll have done a lot of great things there. Multiple Super Bowl trips. They've had a culture of winning up there. But over sure. recent years, it has not been the same. I mean, there's been the injury bug has hit that team yeah. very, very hard. Yeah. And there hasn't been an upgrade in talent coming in there, with the exception of a few players in the draft, in my opinion. Sure. So for Wilson, I, you have to take a look at what your legacy is going to be. I mean, obviously, he has the pedigree. What do you want at this stage? And for me, I would have thought he'd look to go to a, a contender that's right on the cusp. Is Denver that team? Maybe. 
Maybe, but that's a it, that's a big stretch, and especially to the division he's now going to, which is fucking loaded. Exactly, Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Justin Herbert and the formerly known as San Diego Chargers. Yep. The Las Vegas Raiders, which Derek Carr, which I would say, if Carr can play to a consistent level, right. They're going to be tough. but Well, we, and that whole entirely new uh, coaching staff. Yeah, which I would have thought if Wilson was going to go anywhere, the Raiders might have been a better fit Yeah, on a lot of different levels because as a team that got into the playoffs, played very gritty through the entire season that they had, that would have been a player that could really have elevated them to make a run, in my opinion. Right. But going to Denver, I'm just baffled by this. Unless they, he has a weird deal with like maybe players he knows are going to come there and, and join up. And not saying like go super team right. a la Brooklyn right. in, in the NBA. But I think that he has to go into that inclination that okay, things are going to turn around while I'm here. And sure, right. if you're that player that can come in and turn a team around, kudos to you. I mean, very few people can do it. Yeah. Not saying he can't, but at this stage in his career, how tough is this going to be to go to the Super Bowl in that division? And let alone when you look at the conference of the AFC, it's a literal who's who of elite quarterbacks right now. Yeah, I mean, just starting AFC East, you've got uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo, great quarterback. Facts. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa down in Miami, which... Could be could be a good quarterback. He's pretty decent. Jury's out. Uh, Mac Jones down in New England, good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Wilson with the Jets, jury's still out. Yeah, uh, jury's still very out. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore, you've got Lamar Jackson, which when he's healthy, good quarterback. Absolutely. Uh, Joe Burrow out in Cincinnati. I mean, listen, the man just made it to the Super Bowl in his first full season. Fact. Uh, Cleveland's got Baker Mayfield, which when he's on is a good quarterback. So yeah. it depends which Baker shows up. Flip a coin. Pittsburgh. Who's to say Ben Roethlisberger retired looking for a quarterback these days? So, you know, not necessarily the biggest threat. Houston, listen, you got the whole Deshaun Watson issue, whether he's going to be there or not. If he's not, I believe it's Brad Mills right now, which isn't striking fear in the hearts of anyone. Yeah. Uh, Indianapolis also needs to figure out their quarterback situation. Uh, Jacksonville has, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, which, again, jury's still out. Jury's out. He's going into his sophomore season. Uh, Tennessee's got Ryan Tannehill. And then in the AFC West, you've got Russell Wilson now with the Denver Broncos, Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs, Derek Carr with the Raiders, and then Justin Herbert with the Chargers. That conference is fucking loaded. Yeah, so this is a lateral move at best. Yeah. And it's just, like I say, I can't really stress enough how puzzling this is. Mm-hmm. I don't see how this is an upgrade at all. I think it's a, it's, it's a, it is a lateral movement, but I think for Russ it's a case of they have a slightly better chance to improve than Seattle does. I think Seattle isn't going to get much better this year. I'll give you that. He had to go. let's not forget, Seattle, in acquiring Jamal Adams, gave up at least one, if not two, first-round draft picks. So, as a, you know, Seattle now will have a draft pick because of the Russell Wilson trade, but prior to this trade with Russell Wilson going to Denver, Seattle didn't have anything in the first round. Oh, I'll and, gr- and I can't find anything without doing some deep digging online, you know, of where they, after the first round, if they have it, where their first uh, draft pick was. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, bah, 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 bah. So Seattle had a, so before this trade to, no, that was Denver's, now it's Seattle. Okay, so before this trade today, Seattle did not have a pick until the 41st overall pick in the NFL draft, which is in the second round. 
Well, I agree he had to go. Like, I think if you were going to sit there and try doing a rebuilding stage at this point in his career, Wilson would have been it's out It's going to take mind. too long, and he's not going to want it. Exactly. But that's why I thought they could have gone to a contender like a Pittsburgh. Sure. Like a Tennessee. Like a team that is there and just needs an elite quarterback to take them over the hump. Well, and, and Pittsburgh might have wanted him, but just given the fact that Seattle or uh, Denver had to give up one, two, three players, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. So altogether, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pieces yeah. to get this. That just might have – I guarantee you Pittsburgh made the call, but once they heard kind of like the baseline package, they're like, oh, shit, that's too high for us. Oh, it's absolutely way too high. Like, Seattle made out the best out of everybody here. Oh, yeah, Seattle fleeced them. Absolutely. And that's what you should do when you have an elite quarterback if you're going to move them. And getting the best deal from Denver, I'm just surprised that he waved his claws to go there. Nothing against the fans of Denver, but let's face it, if you're talking about teams ready to go, Denver's not on that list. I wouldn't I wouldn't pen them in to make the playoffs, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made it. Oh, I wouldn't either, but... Because let's not forget... Den- you know, obviously Denver had their start where they started really hot, but then you look at the teams they played, and okay. But that was with substandard, a substandard offense, and basically Von Miller was the only good thing on that team. Mm-hmm. Put in Russell Wilson, and if this and if history repeats itself and you have Kansas City off to another slow start at the start of the year, I don't think Kansas City can make a run and comeback like they did this year if you've got Russell Wilson there in Denver and they're playing better. If the Chargers play better, if the Raiders play better, all of a sudden with the with the level of ability upgraded in that division, it becomes a lot harder for Kansas City to make the run like they did this past season. Oh, I'll grant you that. I will fully grant you that. I mean, Kansas City took advantage of a very inconsistent Chargers team. Oh, absolutely. Which has been well documented on this show. Yeah. The team that should have ran all through them and, and struggled this year was the Raiders, but yep. still the Raiders are a playoff team. We can't take anything away from that. You had the Broncos start off 3-0, but then they fell off a cliff. Right, but they who were they facing, though, to start 3-0? Uh, I mean, that's that's the key were, point. When they were 3-0, the teams they had faced were combined 0-9. Exactly. So you can't judge that and say, like, okay, this team was ready to go. I mean, that's that's the one thing about it is Denver is just not there. Well, I can report now because it just came across my phone that the Washington Commanders made an offer for Russ. Oh, they're offering everybody, though, to get, get somebody there. Because uh, according to 106.7 The Fan, which I believe is one of the main radio stations down there in Washington, according to 106.7 The Fan, uh, they offered, they were ready to exchange three first-round picks for Russell Wilson. Oh, my Lord have mercy. Well, when you can try getting an elite quarterback that is ready to go, and Seattle was listening, it's the smart play. Also, uh, per John Keim of ESPN, the commanders also asked Seattle if uh, they wanted a current player to be included but never received a counter offer. Interesting. Hmm. It's very interesting. But oh, yeah. This move is one that is definitely sending some shockwaves through the NFL. Yeah. Seattle, I think, came out the big winner uh, to be determined for Denver and Russell Wilson, respectively. I mean, Seattle came out the winner in that you got eight players for one in a draft pick, which you can easily flip some of those for more draft picks. So Seattle's going to be sitting on a boatload of draft picks before it's all said and done, you know. But whether they want, you know, whether they want or not, to be determined. I think on paper right now they did win because they can go out and get somebody like a Mitchell Trubisky to be just kind of the bridge gap till you go get their quarterback yeah. of the future. So, like, they can go get some players right now, but 
they have enough picks that they can start that rebuilding now. So then next season, they can really start coming back to that winning ways of Pete Carroll if he's still there or right. whoever the new coach is going to be. Because you don't know what Pete's going to do at this stage either. So. Right. Well, and it looks and it's great for Denver because you've now got a proven quarterback who can win you games. And also there's talk that Von Miller might be coming back to Denver because Von Miller is a free agent and has been alluding to, do you think they'll let me keep my old locker and my old number? Yeah. So it's it's going to be an interesting thing to see how it all goes. But if Denver can get some pieces together, sure, they might be able to make a run now. But you have to think with Russell, that window is going to be closing right. because of where you ended up. Right. And I'm looking at a list of free agents on Spotrack.com. Uh, you know, for these are some possible guys, Seattle or hell, anyone that needs a quarterback could get, uh, Ryan Fitzmagic, uh, might, uh, Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, Tyrod Taylor, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Joe Flacco, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, let's see. Blaine Gabbert's listed here. Chad Henney, Mike Glennon, AJ McCarron, Geno Smith, Colt McCoy. God, Jace Daniels still in the league. Uh, Brian Hoyer. So, I mean, there's some names there, but it's not anything like, Yep, this is the guy. He's going to get us over the hump and get us over that hill to the promised land. They're all filler guys until the next draft class, which, hey, it's a pretty decent draft class coming. Yeah, next, yeah, the, not this one, but the next one coming, yeah, is going to be very, very low to the quarterbacks. Right. So I kind of have to wait to see how it all goes because we all thought the big domino moving was going to be Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and lo and behold. Yeah, the, the prima donna can't stay out of the limelight. Break it down for us, Pat. So it came down this morning at like, nine in the morning, 10 in the morning, Eastern, whatever it was. It was early. It was, it was early. Uh, it was early that I hadn't left for the gym yet that Aaron Rodgers was going to be signing with the green Bay Packers for a four year, $200 million deal with 153 of it guaranteed. Guess there was some smoke to that fire, huh? God damn. Uh, so that set the world ablaze and oh my God, what's this mean for Jordan love? Well, start packing your bags, kid. Uh, locked up Rogers, which I guess the thing I had heard reported was one of the, you know, it was reported that he, this was given to him on Friday. He wanted the weekend to mull it over. It appeared that he mulled it over, you know, and, and it had been reported that one of the things he wanted was kind of the uncertainty with his future taken out of it. And no more of the year to year deals. He wanted to be locked up for long term. And then things and got a note. This came out shortly after the Russell Wilson, uh, news, which gotta say, this came out at uh, 2:43 p.m. Eastern time, so not long after the Russell Wilson news, from Aaron Rodgers' personal Twitter account. "Quote: Hey everyone, just wanted to clear some things up. Yes, I will be playing with the Packers next year. However, reports about me signing a contract are inaccurate, as are the supposed terms of the contract I quote unquote signed. I'm very excited to be back." Uh, bicep flexing emoji, hashtag year 18 with a heart emoji. Close quote. Well, I don't think he wants to talk about the money. I think he wants to focus to go back on the team because you know everybody is really looking at him through different eyes uh, through, obviously, uh-huh. the actions of the past year. Uh-huh. So if they can spin this back to, hey, happy to be here, Rogers. Yeah. This is a win for Green Bay. But I think overall, Green Bay – Got their guy they wanted. Yeah. I think Rodgers never wanted to leave. No. And I think that the fact that he made the GM blink, that was the that was the tipping point. I mean, it's, it's like Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton did with professional wrestling, where Brock Lesnar, when his WWE contract was up, threatened to go back to UFC. Mm-hmm. And then when Randy Orton's contract was up, he kind of floated the idea their way, allegedly, that he might go AEW just to kind of drive up the price a little bit. 
Rogers prop. Listen, it's a good negotiating tactic. I'll give him credit for that one. Oh, absolutely. It's smart business. Know your value. If you think you can go somewhere else, and trust me, Rodgers could have picked his landing spot. Green Bay would have been left in a rebuilding mode after they've had one of their best seasons on paper. Like, let's face it. Mm-hmm. They're in a position they can win now. If Rodgers leaves and you turn over to Love, I don't know. I, I'm going to be very honest about that right now. Mm-hmm. But with Rodgers there, he got what he wanted. Love him or hate him, he got what he wanted. You know he's going to be there. Devontae Adams, they locked up as the franchise deal. He He's a uh, franchise tag. They're, they're, trying, they're tag. franchise tag. They're trying to work out a long-term deal. Oh, they're going to get a deal now. Rodgers is there. He ain't going anywhere either. Like, the nucleus is set to win for a few more years. Yeah, Devontae got franchise tagged. Uh, Godwin got down in Tampa Bay, got franchise tagged. Uh, and I'll get to the, where I think the benchmark is going to be in just a minute. Yes. But this is a win-win for Green Bay. Oh, absolutely. And and for Rodgers, too, because, listen, if he had gone anywhere, no matter how good the breakup would have been, it would have been bad PR. Uh-huh. And I don't think at this stage either side wanted that. But the fact that he won the moral victory is the cherry on that Sunday. I'm not saying it would have been necessarily as bad as when LeBron left Cleveland the first time, but where like people were lighting their jerseys on fire in the middle of the freaking street in downtown Cleveland. But... It would have been something akin to that. If he had gone on ESPN or another pro- or platform, Pat McAfee show, and did an hour-long show debating about where he was going, and if he said, I'm taking my talents. McAfee would have given it to him. Yeah. Like, they're, like they're, they're good friends. McAfee would have given it to him. Exactly. Like, there was no chance. And I think that he knew the temp in the room. I mean, obviously, he's had enough off-field drama for comments and actions that have definitely tarnished his image. Oh, yeah. So... He knew that he had to handle this right. He got the GM to blink. I'm shocked at that. Yeah. But listen, I, I'm not faulting him either. Yeah, and I, I think he's, he, listen, he for as many boneheaded mistakes and decisions as he's done, he's no idiot. I think he probably entertained the idea to going to a Pittsburgh, to a, oh, sure. to a Raiders. But then as I listed all of those quarterbacks before that are in the AFC East, he went, why the fuck would I want to run through that and have to run through that gauntlet of a of a season when in the a- NFC, sorry NFC fans, it's a bigger drop off after you get past maybe the top five quarterbacks in the NFC as opposed to the AFC. In the AFC, you got sixteen teams, one or two. You got Zach Wilson with the Jets, who's arguably probably the worst quarterback in the a- or AFC right now. If not the NFL. You know, Pittsburgh, you can't really count because it's Mason Rudolph right now, and I don't think it'll be good starter day one. Mm-hmm. You know, after, but then you look at the NFC. Okay, you got Dak in Dallas, good quarterback. Uh, you got Danny Dimes in New York, which, eh, probably not a great quarterback. Jalen Hurts in Philly, jury's still out. Washington, I couldn't even tell you who their quarterback is. Uh, Chicago needs a quarterback. De- De- uh, Detroit's got Jared Goff, enough said. Uh, Green Bay's obviously got Rodgers. Minnesota's got Kirk Cousins. Atlanta's got Matty Ice. Carolina, again, couldn't fucking tell you who it is. I think it's it's Sam Darnold or something. It might be Coach. Yeah, at this point. Uh, New Orleans also needs a uh, quarterback. Tampa Bay needs a quarterback. Then you've got the Arizona Cardinals, who on paper right now have Kyler Murray as their quarterback, but as that saga turns, we'll see. Mm -hmm. L.A. Rams got Matthew Stafford, so they're good there. 
Uh, San Francisco right now has Jimmy Garoppolo, but if he leaves and gets traded someplace else, they've got Trey Lance behind him, which I'm still not sold on him. I'm not sold on him either, but I tell you what, Garoppolo is going to be the one I'd be looking to move right now. Oh, absolutely. He's going to be a hot commodity. Yeah, I think he just became the quarterback to go after. I know that sounds very weird. Oh, yeah. But trust me, he's going to be the one teams are calling about now. And then you've got Seattle who needs a quarterback. So out of these 16 teams in the NFC, you've got one, two, three, uh, four, five that need quarterbacks and a couple others that could honestly use an upgrade. Mm-hmm. So Rodgers knows the temp in the room. And that's the thing. Like It ultimately comes down to he knows he wants his legacy. He wants one more Super Bowl. Sure. He can't handle the fact that he's only got the one. Oh, yeah. like That's that's something that is going to be eating at him. And I know I've had this conversation with Rich from 3FN a lot. I know we've talked about it in our group chat as well. Yeah. The fact that he's only been able to pull off one yeah. has really not pushed him over the top for that legacy. Oh, like he's got all the accolades and all the stats, which are fine and all. But at the end of the day, championships are where it matters. Like, like you could have every offensive statistical record in NFL history, mm-hmm. all the good ones. We'll keep interceptions and so. Oh, sure, yeah, 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 that doesn't matter. All the good statistical records in the NFL. You know, Rodgers could play for another ten years, set every statistical record in the NFL, where it's like it's like you know. Uh, Joe DiMaggio and the hitting streak levels of like you're not going to fucking reach it. Mm-hmm. It don't won't mean shit because at the end of the day, people are going to go, "Hey, he was a great quarterback, but he only won one title." Exactly. I mean, he won the one. I mean, that's what matters. Oh yeah. But at the end of the day, to put him up there in the talk with Brady, not happening. Montana, no, no. not happening. Well, and look at Peyton. Peyton for a lot of years was in this position where he was a great quarterback. He had all the stats, but he only had the one title win. Yeah. It's a wild thing to think about. But yeah. for Rodgers, I think he knows he has a better shot to get there. Oh, Christ. He owns that freaking division. Yeah. Chicago <laughs> fucking sucks. Nobody's coming near him in that division. Sorry, right Detroit, you suck. Sorry. Minnesota, coin flip, honestly. It it all depends on what Kirk Cousins does. Yep. And it all depends on how that defense plays. And if Dalvin Cook is healthy. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they on paper should be contending. I'm not saying yeah. winning, but they should be contending. You got, you got Thielen at wide receiver. You got Dalvin Cook as your running back. Jefferson at wide receiver. Too. Jefferson's another wide receiver. So they've got the offensive pieces there, but you need a decent defense, and you need Cousins to play halfway decent, which, let's face it, he doesn't do every week. No, and that's the problem they have in Minnesota, but that's what happens when you go all in with a $90 million guaranteed contract. When was the last time Minnesota had a halfway decent quarterback, Dante Culpepper? A good question. That's a great question. I know we'll get an angry tweet from some guy, Galore Jr. Probably, but I mean, you have to kind of think about that. That for what they've had in Minnesota, I mean, like you said, Culpepper was probably most consistent. I mean, yeah. far for his cup of coffee. Far, there. far, yeah, but that was like a year. Yeah, like I said, it was a cup of coffee. So it doesn't really matter on that stage. And that's what Rodgers knows. He can win easily there. He's going to get to the playoffs, barring any injuries or anything freakish. Barring he doesn't run into San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. Like if he can avoid them. I tell you what, I wouldn't I'm getting back there. But can he beat the elite from the AFC? Now, that is the real question. I did, That's what I say. On paper right now, no, but you don't know until he gets there. And that's the question that at least they can think about when the time comes. Because yeah. right now, they locked up who they needed to, and he won the moral battle against the front office. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. But there's another signing that I know you want to talk about. Yeah, so as we mentioned, Devontae Adams and Chris Godwin both were franchise tagged by their respective teams. And I know in both instances I was reading today, you know, they franchise tagged them so that they could work out a long-term deal, you know, for down the road, next couple months. Well, I think your benchmark's going to be here because the L.A. Chargers and Mike Williams agreed to a three-year, 60 million Holy dollar sh- deal it includes a uh, 40 million of it guaranteed and 28 million in year one what uh-huh three years 60 million 40 of it guaranteed i you, mean you want to know your benchmark for godwin and Devonte adams who, oh I, who I would God. argue are better than mike williams there's your benchmark no you know what i'm cringing about now when the bills got to rework stuff on Diggs deal hey I'm just saying that, okay, not saying Mike Williams is not a good wide receiver, but that is a lot of money. Well, yeah, it is. Well, he's, he is coming off his best season uh, off of, in his five-year career. Uh, he set career highs with 76 catches, 1,146 yards, uh, and nine touchdown receptions. Yeah, I mean, he, he played a full year healthy I think, for the most part. I think yeah. maybe he might miss one game. But I know he's had injury uh, issues before. But that is a lot of money uh-huh. for a guy that, I mean, is Keenan Allen still their number one? Uh, not with that kind of money. I, that's what I was going to say. Like, this... You're throwing $60 million at a guy, uh, that's your number one. Oh, my God. I'm just thinking for, like, the wide receivers in the league right now have to be salivating. Uh-huh. Because when their contracts are up, uh-huh. you're right, Pad. That's the benchmark. And if I'm, like, a Stefan Diggs, who I granted I th- I think is going to stay in Buffalo, but he'll, granted, t- he'll take a friendly deal. He's going to get paid. Like no, he'll get he'll get his he'll, he'll, he'll get paid, but it'll be team friendly. I, I would hope so. I mean, he likes he likes playing up there a lot. So I'm just saying this for the rest of the league. That's a crazy contract to think uh-huh. about. And you take a look at like the situation with Dallas that they had to let go of Amari Cooper. Yeah. Because they overpaid for Zeke. Yeah. Hey, uh, we need a wide receiver up in New England. You want to put on the old uh, red, white, and blue? Come oh, on. Come on, Amari. Oh, no, no. He can come to Buffalo. Just pair him on the other side of Diggs and just throw streaks all day, Josh. You're getting Gronk. Fuck off. No, we're not. I don't even want Gronk. I know we're getting off ta- topic here. Gronk, no. I, I don't want him at this stage. I'm sorry. Like, I understand he wants to come back because he's from upstate New York, but. Like, no. Hey, you could give an arm and a leg for McCaffrey because uh, Panthers are listening to offers on him. Well, that's the one thing about free agency, that you're seeing the wild deals happen right now. And, of course, everybody's listening to everything concerning. Well, and you can't take teams at what they say at face value because during the NFL Combine this past weekend, the general manager of the Seattle Seahawks was asked, are you going to be trading Russell Wilson? Uh, because, like I said, it's been rumored last offseason and this offseason. And he said, quote, we're not listening to trade offers for Russell Wilson. Uh, I didn't see video, but I'm willing to bet there might have been a wink in there. Well, that's the whole thing. Nobody's going to tip their hands too much because then if they do, you know how fast word goes around that league. Oh, yeah. And if anybody slipped up and said, okay, Seattle is going to trade Russell Wilson, you know the combine would have been a buzz and people have been lining up moves left and right, doing like a big domino effect. Listen, the only thing about that combine that mattered was that D lineman who ran a faster 40 than Baker Mayfield and Jameis Winston. That is the scariest thing. At I, 360 pounds? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't even want to wrap my head around it. I'm just hoping he plays for the Bills somehow. I, I, some sh- way. I showed the video to a buddy of mine who's a uh, Cleveland Browns fan because I was like, hey, he ran a faster 40 than your quarterback. He goes, holy shit. I go, yeah, you realize if this guy ends up in the AFC North, your quarterback is fucked? Because he can run faster than your quarterback. Well, that's the one thing now that people really realize with free agency. I mean, this is one great thing about this time of year for the NFL. 
Obviously, Super Bowl is over. Yeah. We're getting back to business. We know next week is when you can officially start signing free agents. Yep. The combine just happened. Now teams are kind of seeing how everything's shaking up, and especially with these franchise tag deals getting done and the moves that are going to be official next week, this is where business really starts picking up. And as a GM, you really got to line up your players right. Oh, yeah, and there's a lot of names that didn't get free agents tagged. I know J.C. Jackson of the Patriots didn't mm-hmm. get franchise tagged, and also Chandler Jones of the Arizona Cardinals didn't get franchise tagged. So there's right. going to be some big name free agents. Absolutely, and we'll definitely be talking about that more next week. But for what we saw this week with in 24 hours, the NFL landscape did shift Oh yeah, quite vastly, oh, I yeah. have to say. Because for Russell Wilson now to come to the AFC – that's a big move. Aaron Rodgers staying in the NFC, a very big move. And then the wide receiver franchise tag of Mike Williams. Like I said, nothing against him. I, I like him as a wide receiver. Yeah, he's decent. But my God, man, that money is crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, ODPH Society. Let's have a chat about this, shall we? Your thoughts on Russell Wilson, your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, and your thoughts on Mike Williams' deal. I definitely want to talk about this, especially to our Dallas Cowboy fans, because Amari Cooper couldn't get signed for that, but Mike Williams did. Just throwing that out there. So let us know on that social media accounts. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial, or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod and check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let's talk some wrestling. Wrestling. Well, it has been a week for all elite wrestling. Eh, a little bit. You would say so. They just kicked off their calendar year of pay-per-views with AEW Revolution, taking place in Orlando, Florida on Sunday night, mm-hmm. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What time did it finish, Ken? Midnight. Uh-huh. Plus an hour-long pre-show beforehand. Oh. That's like some of the older manias. I, I know. Like Whoa. we all had a unique point of view concerning that. Uh, I know Rich from Three FN was over here for the watch party. Lincoln, a uh, good friend of ours, was here as well, and uh, Crazy Curtis Gaming. Yeah. So uh, shout out to him as well. We're all in attendance for the watch, and the dog himself. Hey, I forgot the dog came through for this. Because the dog likes to make an appearance for AEW. So had to sit in the VIP section. Of course. Of course. Except when he's getting food. True. Because we all had to be in attendance for what people online were allegedly touting as the greatest card ever made. Million buys. Yeah, I'm waiting to see that number. But we have to break down the action that happened there. I know, Pad, you did not watch. We are... I, I was comfortably in bed before this shit was over. Yes. I, I went to, because I had to work the next morning. So about 11, 11, 15, I'm like, oh, I, I was, because I've been playing Horizon Forbidden West, mm-hmm. loving it. 
finished. I was like, all right, you know, I got to go to bed. Got to get up or, uh, you know, got to get up tomorrow morning. So as I'm laying in bed, as most people do, I'm like, oh, let's see what's going on on Twitter. It was like 11, 15, 11, 20. It was like 11, 20, 11, 25 at this point. I'm like, holy fuck, this thing's still going? Yeah. What it, the fuck? It was a little crazy, but I was like getting Pad's opinion about this because like we say, he is not an AEW fan. Nope. But he knows the wrestlers and to get his reactions to the commentary and replay here is something that I definitely want to get his opinion on as well. So let us talk about this, shall we? Yeah, so the first match uh, took place on the pre-show, and it was between Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander, and you had Layla Hirsch emerge victorious, uh, pinning Chris Statlander in 9 minutes and 51 seconds. This match was not bad. Uh, They've been slowly putting this feud together on Dynamite and little uh, video segments and, and, and online and such. So this has not been the worst thing to AEW's done. And they've done this nice heel turn with Hirsch going after Statlander. Hirsch getting the win, I think, is big. Mm-hmm. I now found out that she is the number one contender according to the rankings oh. after this. So it's kind of interesting. Even though she did use a foreign object to knock out Statlander to go in to get the win, though. Ah, details, so, details. Yeah, but it is what it is. But you know what? I don't mind them or her going over here because this is a solid feud to definitely ran, run back at a later date. Okay. Uh, next up was again another matchup on the pre-show uh, where you had QT Marshall taking on the greatest wrestler of all time. I will hear nothing saying otherwise. Uh, Hook, uh, where you had Hook submit QT Marshall in five minutes and one second. Pad, what's your feelings on Hook? Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't get the hype on and all. Like I get he's the he's the son of Taz. Yeah. Like fine. Okay. But, like, this dude, this kid ain't coming out doing revolutionary, never-before-seen moves, stuff that should, he shouldn't be able to do at such a young age, you know. It, it's not like he's a It's not like he's a young Mike Trout. When, mm. when, when Mike Trout came out and first made it to the majors, I admittedly hadn't seen any footage of him. But I was like, why is everyone hyping this kid as the next face of the Major League Baseball? I, I just didn't. I wasn't knocking the kid. I wasn't knocking Trout or shitting on him. I was like, I just, why? And then I started seeing footage and I go, okay, I get it. You know, I started seeing the highlights. Hook, I'm like, it, it's just lemonade I'm not buying the taste of. The Hook is a very interesting figure in AEW because he does have this very organic reaction with the fans. He's got a cult following, that's for damn sure. Oh, yeah, he does. Like, it's huge. Like, you type in hashtag send Hook online, you're good reaction. And he is, I will say this, he is arguably their most homegrown talent mm-hmm. that they we've had since the inception of AEW. Sure. I mean, arguably. I mean, you can say some of the other Adam Pages, but I mean, yeah, they were, yeah, yeah, they've yeah. been wrestling for a while yeah. and such. But Hook is the one that has really grown and definitely has been the breakout star amongst their fans. I agree with you that I think that some of the hype is a little extra mm-hmm. and maybe not matching up with the aesthetics a little bit. I mean, bit. I, I get some people are genuine fans of the kid. Though. Yeah. Like, they want to see him do well. They want to see him succeed. And I'm, and I'm in that camp, too. Like, I'm not shitting on the kid. I don't want to see him fail miserably. Like, hey, you're living out your dream. Succeed and do well, my guy. But, like, some people are in that camp. you got some people I think are just going to the level they are just for the trolling and the, and the lulls. And then there's just some people I just don't understand. Yeah. But Hook was doing Hook things here. Definitely uh, QT put him over. So. Yeah. Now it'll be interesting to see what they do with him now. Yeah. So on to the next match. Uh, was the final match on the pre-show, and this was a six-person tag team match uh, between Eric Redbeard, 
Pac and Penta taking on Brody King, Buddy Matthews, and Malachi Black. Uh, and you had King, Matthews, and Black emerge victorious, winning in 17 minutes and 22 seconds. Okay, this was a really good match. Okay. Uh, House of Black is the faction name for Malachi, gotcha. Brody King, and Buddy Matthews. This is my favorite faction in AEW right now. All right. Without question. They are doing some very cool things with this group. Sure. And I'm hoping that this goes somewhere because... I will say, since they've all kind of started rolling out into this weird gimmick of, you know, whatever the House of Black is supposed to be. Right. They're definitely stepping their work up in the ring. They're definitely winning the crowd over. They're definitely, you know, in that kind of, they're, they're cool heels. The fans are cheering yeah, for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing that, and they're doing that very well. On the flip side with this, Death Triangle Plus, because that's how I referred to the team, because, I mean, Eric Redbeard, mm-hmm. who, um, uh, just got signed. Right. It's the former uh, Rowan. Yeah, Rowan, yeah. Uh, just got thrown in this match. Right. Even though he had great chemistry with Brody King. I will say this. Like, okay. this was a fun match between them. I don't understand the whole deal with Penta's new gimmick and, like, the whole entrance. It's just not doing anything for me. I was super excited to see these guys win, and I'm just kind of curious of where we're going from here. I know there's talk of a trios title. Sure. They got to be in the mix for it. They have to. Yeah, be. I mean, I don't like. I, I've said before, I didn't care for Malachi Black, Alistair Black when he was on WWE. I don't care for him now. I will say though, the team that lost with Redbeard, Pac, and Penta, that team intrigues me because that is an eclectic group of folks that you wouldn't think mesh together or would work together, and it intrigues me. Yeah, they definitely had good chemistry. Like, it, especially uh, Redbeard got thrown in there late. Like right, he got put in on Friday night. Right, I was say because didn't he show up? Didn't he show up on like Wednesday or Friday or some shit? Yeah, it was Friday during Rampage. Yeah. yeah. So and it's just kind of weird how this group is working. And I will say this: if we're gonna run this match back, I need Ray Phoenix versus Buddy Matthews. I need that this year at right. some stage. Yeah, that would be good. Goddamn. Yes. Uh, next up was the first card or first match on the main card between Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston, and you had Eddie Kingston submit Jericho in twelve minutes and nineteen seconds. So, Pad, what if I told you that? Kingston won. Okay. And I love Eddie Kingston. Like, I, I'm a big fan right, of him. Right. But the submission move he did was one of, like, the weirdest submissions I've ever seen. It looked awful. Okay. And it's nothing against Eddie or Chris. I'm just, like, not understanding what the move was supposed to do because it was almost like a weird arm stretch. Sure. And it just was like, is this supposed to really hurt? Like, I mean, it, that's interesting just because, admittedly, I'm not the most well-versed Eddie Kingston fan. But he's never struck me as like a submission machine or a submission specialist. Yeah, but he is the heart and soul of AEW, so I was hoping he finally got pushed because we've talked about this on here. He waves the flag of AEW probably harder than anybody. Right. And I'm happy to see that he's finally with AEW and like a major company and he's getting the time. And he's won those fans over because he is really connecting with the crowd. Why we've had the misfires with him losing the Miro and then the CM Punk feud, which lasted like what two weeks at least, and then with Danielson, like he can be a guy that you can really go and really build around. And I think now is finally the time that AEW has finally seen this mm-hmm. and got it together. I just hate how the submission looked. Like that was my only argument with this match because Eddie came in there not fucking around, right. And just was beating the crap out of Jericho. Did he come in wearing Timberlands? No, he came in full gear. Well, then it's a loss. Uh, but he did on the on the promo section though. But for okay. the match, the, okay. the Wednesday night promo was was very good between him because I mean it's Eddie being Eddie, and that's how he's connecting. Jericho just 
I don't know what's going on there, especially now he's going by the influencer. Mm-hmm. I hate that nickname. Could be could be time for him to take a step back because that's the thing I always remember from when he was in WWE was he would have those runs and then he would go and it get kind of stale after a while. The lone exception being his last run. Yeah, that never got old. But like he'd have those runs in WWE and then he'd go away and he'd like take time off or he'd go do a tour with his band, you know, for eight nine months, whatever it was, and then he'd come back. And it'd be a complete re- refresh. You'd be like, oh, my God, you're happy to see him again. I wonder if it's not time for one of those that, like, maybe it's too much overexposure. He's, you know, because I know he does commentary a lot. Mm. He does the wrestling. You know, maybe it's just time for him to take a step back. Like, hey, this is too much of a good thing. Fans are getting a little old, tired of it. Time for a change. And not necessarily a character change or just, like, change the gimmick. But, hey, take some time off. Let the fans quote unquote forget about you for a little for a little bit and then come back and everyone's like oh hey we're happy to see you again yeah i mean it's one of those situations with him is he's got a lot going on i know that i believe the jericho cruise is allegedly going down Mm. at the end of this month so that might be something he's taking time off for either way he did the right thing by putting kingston over and if this means jericho goes away for a little bit i'm okay with it not that i don't like chris jericho because he's one of the best of all time but i think that now with such an overinflated roster He's lost in the shuffle from being the guy at the beginning. So, uh, According to ChrisJerichoCruise.com, their next cruise isn't until next year. It is, uh, just to correct you, it is February 2nd to the 6th in 2023. So he's not going anywhere anytime soon unless he takes time off. That's been rescheduled so many times. I apologize for that because oh, I lose track a lot of times. It's, with it's, it. it's a large roster. It's it's easy to lose track of. Yeah, that's something that I don't follow the cruise that much. I, last I heard, it was supposed to be in March, but who knows? Like, I, I don't follow that in-depthly. So. Sure. Either way, the only thing I need to follow is Eddie Kingston won, damn it, and that's with the right call. Next up. Uh, was a matchup for the AEW Tag Team Championship uh, where you had the uh, defending champs of Luchasaurus, that being Jungle Boy and uh, – no, Jungle Express, excuse me. That being the team of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus taking on the team of Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. And as of last recording, it was a to-be-determined team yet to be announced. But, hey, pat ourselves on the back. Mm-hmm. Fucking call it. Those goddamn egomaniacs. The Young Bucks inserted themselves into the matchup, so it was between uh, Jungle Express – Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, and then the Young Bucks, and you had uh, the Jungle Express Emerge Victorious winning in 18 minutes and 36 seconds. Jurassic Express. Or Jurassic Express, yes. Yeah, this was a surprise of the night because I had it locked and loaded. Red Dragon was winning. Okay. I had that thing completely mapped out that it was going to build to the feud between them and the Elite, and obviously Adam Cole, baby, was going to get involved. But no, Jurassic Express held on. Good for them. Yeah, that's a big move for them. I'm very shocked at that. Uh, I don't know where we're going to go from here because I think it's ultimately going to lead to Dragon and the Bucks. Right. Well, I mean, I think it does more for their tag team division to have a relatively, I don't want to say new tag team, but like newer than obviously Fish and O'Reilly and then the Bucks are. Mm -hmm. It does more for them and it gives them a little bit bit of the shine because let's face it. Fish and O'Reilly don't need a fucking belt. They're already a very well-established, very well-decorated tag team from around the world. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks, hey, listen, enough said. All you got to say is Young Bucks and tag team, and you've already said too much. Yeah. You know, and, and to be honest, to set up the, until they come up with a name, I know there's been one rumored, but I refuse to say it until it becomes official, the Undisputed Era versus the Elite, you know, whatever they decide to do, you don't necessarily need the belts to do that, man. Like, you can set it up with some sort of shenanigans, brouhaha. You know, you don't need the belts involved. 
Yeah, that's a fair point too. So it's kind of really just throwing me a big curveball about that, that I always assume they are going to go with the sure. But you know what? It, this definitely helps with Jurassic Express being champs because you, you definitely have a lot more teams that are viable for it. Yeah, yeah. Please make it Santana Ortiz that takes them on. I would freaking mark out for that. Very, very big. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of have to wait to see what happens with that. Because And the, the other thing I'm thinking about it now, too, is with the belts staying on the the, the current champs mm. and not going to Undisputed Era or the Young Bucks, let's face it, if that match does happen, that's going to be three, four matches. That's going to be a couple of months. You're not tying up that tag team belt with those two groups just going at each other for the next couple of months. And you can still do some great tag team matchups on AEW and on Dynamite and on Rampage and on pay-per-views. So I think it's good for the belt overall that you're not tying it up in a faction feud. Definitely. Uh, Next up was a six-way ladder match, and I believe this was the match, uh, because ProFightDB.com did not list the stipulation. I believe this was the winner gets a shot, a future shot at the the AEW championship, if I'm not mistaken. TNT title. Oh, TNT title. Uh, So this was between Christian Cage, Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, Wardlow, and Ricky Starks. Uh, and you had Wardlow emerge victorious, winning in 17 minutes and 8 seconds. Had a feeling he was going to do this because they've been building him like Batista versus Triple H, with uh, obviously with him and MJF. Ah, uh, Batista. Yes. So this made a lot of sense to me. I thought the match was very good. Okay. Um, They were doing a lot of different stuff with the ladders, but especially because you had a lot of larger gentlemen in this match right. that you don't typically see in a ladder match. But this was a very cool scenario, how it all played out. I mean, I thought Powerhouse Hobbs had a really good performance during this match as well. And then with Wardlow winning, that definitely sets up a lot of more storylines, especially with MJF. And now where he's going to go from here, we do know that the title match has already been set. Okay. For two weeks from now, I believe, <coughs> on AEW Dynamite. Makes sense. Well, they like to do this with the whole capturing of a ring yeah like ladder match that they do they always announce when they don't do it like a money in the bank which i kind of like I, I like the money in the bank like mystery and surprise on it yeah well that's what they they just come out right after like okay it's gonna be two weeks here we go boom so it's interesting to see how this all plays out but they i thought they made the right call i know people are saying about keith lee should have won i agree but i also think that it's his first pay-per-view it's his first pay-per-view and i think coming in from just that big of a debut i it's tough like, I, I personally, I don't know if I would have put him in this match right away. Like, I would have yeah. had him maybe do another match. And then, yeah. because that's very tough. Your first debut, you're in this, and now you lose. Right. So, it's... it's, it's well, and, and hey, as it was pointed out on Reddit today, I can't take credit for this, but every champion on AEW right now is a homegrown talent. Yeah. And, I, and listen, I'm not the biggest AEW guy, but I like that just because, let's face it, the optics are what they are. You have been signing, and by you I mean Tony Khan and AW, not you, the listener. Yeah. The, the Tony Khan and, and the powers that be have been signing a lot, a lot of former WWE guys, whether they were immediately and just recently in WWE or a couple of years ago in WWE. They just signed two more. Uh, you know, as we'll get to in a, we'll get to in a minute. Um former NXT GM. I'm blanking on the name. William Regal. Thank you. William Regal and then Swerve. Yeah, You know, on top of everybody else they signed, the optics are what they are, that they've been signing a lot of WWE guys, that they're po- almost like they're poaching WWE or some nonsense. You know, so the fact that your homegrown talent are your champions, I like it. I do too. And like I said, I, Lee is going to get a belt there sooner than later. Oh, yeah. But I think that having him in this kind of match 
I didn't. I I would have just rather had him face somebody else in a singles competition. Sure. Just because you want to keep him strong going in. Obviously, he had a great debut, and then this was technically his second match. Sure. Like I, for me, I just would have I would have booked it differently. But like mark my words, he's gonna be a champ by the end. Oh, of the year. absolutely! I can't wait for that. Uh, next up was for the AEW TBS Championship, and you had Jade Cargill defending her belt against Ty Conti, and you had Cargill emerge victorious, uh, winning by pinfall in six minutes and fifty seconds. Uh, Jade Cargill is obviously growing and being a better wrestler each and every time we see her. Uh, this match. They threw this together. Uh, I was going to say, based off of the time uh, it went, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was really not a lot of buildup for this. I think it was like an, an interview segment. And then the online stuff between them has not been entertaining. Okay. Sorry, I'm just going to put that out there. But I thought that Jade did what Jade was going to do. Obviously, I believe that she is now 29-0. and 0. Oof. So it's going to be interesting to see who's going to step up to be a contender for her. I don't know necessarily how they're going to try to build this and if they're going to do a tournament, because I'll talk about this when we talk about the women's world title match. But I think with Jade, though, Jade did what, what was supposed to happen here and definitely was, you know, get over and definitely keep that streak going. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, according to her profile on ProFightDB.com, uh, in singles matchups, she is indeed uh, undefeated. However, she does technically have one loss on her record, but it is not a singles com- uh, matchup. Uh, she was in the Casino Battle Royale back at AEW All Out 2021, and that was the one Ruby Soho won. Mm. So technically she's got a loss on her record, but it's not a singles loss, so technically in singles matchup she is undefeated. Yeah, it's their whole ranking system. They matter, much like uh, much like uh, UFC. This is facts. <laughs> this is facts. Uh, next up, and I got an issue with these next three matchups because, holy fuck, I heard you burned out the crowd, uh, was be- the dog collar match between MJF and CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk emerged victorious, pinning MJF in 26 minutes and 22 seconds. I know everyone lost their collective shit because he came out to his old uh, ROH uh, intro, ROH gear. Which must have been cool for the ROH fans, but yeah, CM Punk emerged victorious. Yeah, this was definitely a moment. I know we were losing it down here at the watch party because when CM Punk came out to that music and everybody was waiting because MJF did a fake out, they called the personality and kicked in his music. The minute that we heard AFI, everybody started like, oh shit, like, are we finally going to get rid of happy go lucky punk? Right. And I will say this. This match was the best he's been and the closest to the CM Punk we all know. Sure. Since he's signed with the company. That's good. Yeah, without question. I can't figure out what it took to get him to that point, but I can't imagine it's ROH getting bought out by AEW. Because if so, Punk, you're a fucking idiot. No, I think what it is is MJF during this entire feud has shown him up, in my opinion. Sure. On the microphone, he's absolutely killed him. Sure. There's no way anybody can say without a valid argument that Punk won that. Because, I'm sorry, there's no valid argument to be had with that. MJF is absolutely torn into him. And this has been something that I think he now knows that somebody really brought out the best in him. Because I think that since he's been here, it's been the honeymoon phase. That you haven't had anything to really motivate him. He finally got it here. And I think that this match lived up to the hype. I love how they did the Wardlow didn't give MGF the ring to oh, right. you know to uh, use on Punk, but he gave it to Punk. I think that they did some very cool things with this match. I mean, for a dog collar match, it was brutal and it was violent and it was bloody. It's what it needed to be, and it told a good story. I wasn't mad that Punk won, mm-hmm. and now obviously it's going to be set up for MGF versus Wardlow. 
I'm very interested to see where we're going with Punk. I know that everybody's kind of saying, well, go for the world title. Eh, maybe. I I don't know. I, I I don't think so. I You know what? I personally would love to see him go after the TNT title. Okay. Just for right now and then get to the world title later down the road. But I don't know how this is all going to play out. But I was excited about this match. This was probably my favorite match of the night. Okay. So, a lot of win here to be had here. Both guys did a great job. Next up was for the AEW Women's Championship uh, between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defending her belt against Thunder Rosa, uh, and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, emerged victorious, pinning Rosa in 17 minutes and 19 seconds. Now, Pat, do you remember last year Baker and Rosa had a match of the year candidate? Uh, Heard about it, did not see it. Want to point out, it was 362 days ago. That's why I say it was about a year ago. Uh, It was March 11th. And they tore the roof off the place. Heard about it. Did not see it. Oh, yeah, it was a fantastic match. It was something that why we finally got the rematch now is still mind-boggling to me. Mm, the fact that it took, three well, 362 days now, but three hundred and basically 360-plus days. Right. But for this match, I got to admit, I was disappointed. Okay. Because they just didn't seem like they had their timing together. Like, it just kind of right. seemed like... I was expecting them to just kind of gel a little bit more. Sure. I, I don't exactly know what happened. Well, and especially since you've had a year between essentially roundup, mm-hmm. you've had a year for this rematch. Like this is the best you came up with. Yeah, it's just something that I, I just don't know. Like if, it's, if I know there was some rumors that Thunder Rosa was working through an injury. I don't know how. If that, Maybe we never got confirmation about that, so thus I want to stress it was rumor only. But to see Baker win again is now where do we go from here? Because now what they're doing is it was announced that Hirsch is going to be taking on Thunder Rosa okay. in a eliminator match, and the winner gets a shot of Brent Baker. Okay. Which I'm going either you're going to have Hirsch get the title shot, which I'm okay with, or you're going to run it back with Thunder Rosa, and it's going to be on TV, and will she get the title then? Right. Because I think this was the wrong call to make to have Baker win. Rosa was ready to get the title. Crowd was behind it. It was time to, to do the switch for the belt. Why they didn't, I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to question it. It just it didn't happen. Right. But now you kind of are left in this situation that, okay, if she does beat Rosa again, she does beat Layla Hirsch, where do you go? Because mm-hmm. now you have to have a tournament to get to find a contender. And that's a it's a weird thing to see, especially right. with that, that roster. The only idea I'm going to throw out to the world is she's going to fight ROH champion Deanna Perrazzo. Maybe. And I'd be okay with that because Perrazzo's arguably probably the best women's wrestler on the planet right now. I, she's killing it in Impact. She's killing it everywhere she's going. If they want to do something with that, I think that's the right move to do. But we'll kind of have to wait to see how this all plays out. Just how the the post-match eliminator match announcement, that, just, that threw me for a big curveball. Yeah. Uh, next up was between uh, Brian Danielson and John Moxley, and you had Moxley emerge victorious, pinning Danielson in 21 minutes and two seconds. Well, this match made some headlines. Yeah. Uh, it was what we thought was going to be a very good match, yeah. um, my second favorite match of the night. And obviously with Moxley getting the win, they had the weird standoff with Danielson, and then all of a sudden, Wolf Games! Yeah. William Regal shows up. Yep. And smacks them both. And now looks like he's unifying them to that storyline because Brian Danielson wants to team up with John Moxley to take over AEW. It's a frightening tag team, I gotta say. Oh yeah, no, Holy it definitely was. Fuck. And Moxley was like, "I don't team up with anybody until I bleed with him." So does this mean they're going to get together? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you this: Regal, Moxley, Danielson. It's a frightening trio. 
give it to me. I'm here for it. And especially if they want to add like a Lee Moriarty or Daniel Garcia to that faction. Maybe. Listen, I, I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Like mix in some of the new talent in there and watch what they do. I think there's so much potential to be had here. It's not even funny. But the big takeaway is William Regal is now all elite from this match. And you yeah. know what? I'm okay with this. But next up. The- uh, was the co-main event of the evening. And this was the six-person tornado tag match uh, between Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting taking on Andrade El Idolo, Isaiah Cassidy, and Matt Hardy. And you had Allen, Guevara, and Sting emerge victorious, winning by pinfall in 13 minutes and 12 seconds. Pad, this is the only thing that you need to know about this match. Is it Sting jumping off the shit through the double tables or whatever it is? Yep. Yeah, I saw that. That's it. It's like 60-whatever years old. 63, hey. I believe. Or he's, he's, he's very shortly, he's going to be turning 63. Over over 60, yeah. What the fuck was going on here? I Like, this EC match... Dub. EC dub. Yeah, you EC mean... EC dub. They were trying to do their best, and like, with Sting, I'm like, listen, more power to you for doing it at your age. I don't want to see it, though. I'm, no, I, I'm sorry. No. I, I, do, I do not get excited seeing Sting wrestle at this age. It's the same reason I didn't want to see, you know, as much as I love Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, I did not want to see them fight each other because just no. Yeah, there's nothing to be had there. There's no win by anybody for that one. This match was the same thing. Like, And I understand it was a tornado rule match, so everybody's in the ring, everybody's all over the place. They did a lot of cool spots. I'm not going to say they didn't. But yet again, unnecessary did not care about this. Sure. And the fact that Sting did that crazy triple table jump off the balcony, like, listen, I'm just glad he's not hurt. That's the only, that's, that's the only thing that scares me is that, like, I have to imagine he's doing this because he knows he doesn't have much longer ahead of him. They're like, I got to get out everything I want to get out now, go out on a high note. And I'm not saying he's going to retire, you know, in the next week or month. But, like, let's face it, he's in his fucking 60s. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing that scares me is that he's going to go to do one of these spots because he's trying to create a moment and give something fans something to remember, and he's going to end up hurting himself in a way that gets him very, very injured. Yeah, I know. That scares me, too. And and that's the type of shit you, he, you see ends up on, like, a documentary or something as to, like, the and I'm not saying, like, a dark side of the ring, but, like, a dark side of the ring type thing where it's like, oh, hey, this is the nasty, nasty other side of professional wrestling you don't see, like... It's not good optics. No, it definitely isn't. So interesting to see about how this all plays out on Dynamite this week. But, yeah, that's the only takeaaway from this match that only matters. And then your main event of the evening was for the AEW World Championship. You had Adam Page defending his belt against Adam Cole. Baby. Uh, and you had Adam Page emerge victorious, pinning Cole in 25 minutes and 41 seconds. Okay, so note the time of that, Pat. Yeah. 25 minutes? Yes. So match started at 11.30. Hey, Yikes. So this had been capping off a very long evening of wrestling. So it started at 7. Yeah, so just to put in perspective, and how the structure of the matches were, the crowd was like pretty much dead at this point. And and that's the one thing I brought up uh, going into the CM Punk matches. Whoever booked the order of these matches, you done fucked up. Because even I, the not real, not much of an AEW watcher, I know, even I know... You don't put the Punk MJF match, then the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match, which people had been waiting a calendar year to see, mm-hmm. and then you put the Moxley Danielson match. You put you put the six person Tornado tag match because let's face it, it's got Sting, it's got Andrade, it's got all these guys in there, and it's a Tornado. They're going to be all over the place. It's going to be crazy. 
and then you do it with the main event with the world championship. Fans are going to be burnt the fuck out by the time this is over. I think you should have shuffled some of this around. I agree. You should have moved some of the matches that were earlier into this other spot just to give the, because listen, it, we may sit here as fans with a WWE product and go, why the fuck are they putting this match on in between after that barn burner of a match? Well, that's so that when the next matchup comes up, which is probably going to be one of their uh, title matchups, the fans are back in for it. They had a minute to calm down, get their energy back, go to the bathroom, grab a bite to eat. And they're like, oh, hey, I'm energized again. Yeah, just the structure of this really kind of hurts this match. This match was about as indie as you get. Sure. A lot of finishers, a lot of near falls. Did what it needed to. I mean, I'm happy. 900 Panama Sunrises, I'm sure. Pretty much. I mean, this match was an entertaining match. It wasn't an awful match by any stretch. But by this stage of the night, I was done. I was ready to go. And obviously, if they... And that's not what you want if you're a company putting on a pay-per-view event. You know, you don't want your fans to be there by the end of the night. Cause I remember we were for that first Russell, that WrestleMania 31 in Dallas where it was like seven hours fucking long. And we're like, Holy fuck. We want this to be over. Like we want to go home. Yeah. You want your fans to go, give me more. I want more. I want more. You don't want them to be ready to leave. Yeah. It was just wild to see how long this took. And this, like I said, was not a bad match. It was just by the end of the night, it was super indie, and I'm like, I'm, I've seen enough. I'm done. I can't help but wonder if they were because pay on pay per view. I can't help but wonder if they were running up against the the a hard out. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing because they were technically on BR Live, right? I mean, that's the major one. I mean, the other pay per view companies uh, involved. I, I don't know. Like, that's a great question. I just don't have a good answer for it. But Adam Page retained fourth title defense. He's done since he's won the belt five months ago. Hopefully we do something with his character now, and I think all signs are now pointing to Adam Cole taking on the Elite okay. with Red Dragon. But overall, a solid card. I mean, your thoughts after hearing the playback on this? Sounds like an okay card. Doesn't sound like the greatest thing since sliced bread, but like, it, sounds like, it sounds like it was okay. Yeah, I definitely have to say about that as well. And to close out this segment, since we're talking wrestling, some news broke after we recorded last week. Yes. Tony Khan, owner of AEW, has bought Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Your initial reactions? Don't care. Okay. I, I like this is nothing against ROH. I've seen one ROH pay per view. I can't, we watched it at your place. I can't remember what it was. I can't remember who was on it. I can't remember when it happened. I just know it won't. Final battle. Maybe. I just know I, I, I wasn't. So clearly, I wasn't that impressed by it to want to tune in further or remember fuck all about any of it. I've obviously seen the clip of the Young Bucks super kicking like 48 people or whatever the fuck it is. Mm. You know, just because that went, that was viral a couple years ago. But, like, I've never been an ROH guy. I didn't, you know, so when they got announced, I'm like, okay. Like, it, like good for them. You know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. You know, and, and I hope they, ha- as a wrestling fan, I hope they handle it right. And they, and they use it in a way that isn't just, like, seen as, I know some people were saying online, as, like, an uh, AEW light, mm-hmm. uh, L-Y-T-E, you know, I, I would like to, even though I'm not a fan, I would like to see justice and, and the brand handled well, you know, but in terms of like, is it exciting? Is this, is this the tipping point to get me to watch AEW? No, it, it's not. I, I, like I said, I've never been an ROH fan. I got nothing against it. Just, I never got into it. This is a big move on a couple different levels, but I think the big takeaways is obviously ring of honor has been a historic wrestling company. Probably your favorite wrestler right now has wrestled in ring of honor and done some more than likely. Work. Just the, the video library is going to be the key thing that is the takeaway from this deal. If only they had some place to show it. Oh, wait, they don't. As of right now, no. 
But Tony Khan has announced that they are working on something. I mean, or, it, alluded to it, I should say. And outside the video library and the belts, what the fuck are they getting out of this? Because didn't they let everybody out of their contracts? Well, they did. And this so this, is, so this isn't an ECW, WWE, or WWE, WCW moment where like you get the belts, you get the wrestlers, you get the tight, you get to this, you get to that. Like you get the video library, but you have no place to show it right now. But listen, I know they're going to get a streaming deal, whether it's their own site. HBO Max, Cartoon Network, whatever the fuck they put it on. Right now, as of the second, when the deal was done and the pen, the paperwork was signed, you ain't got fuck all to put it. You're not going to put it on YouTube. You're going to put that shit behind a paywall. And then you're not signing anybody. So, like, it's good for, like, storyline purposes and for down-the-road purposes. But for right now, eh. Well, it's interesting because you're, you're right. Everybody was let out of their contract after the last pay-per-view in right. December. So now it's an open playing field. I know they have a card coming because uh, we are ROH Press. Right. April 1st is Super Card of Honor. And we do know Bandito is taking on Jonathan Gresham. They have announced a few other people are going right. to be on the card. It's pretty much wide open right now, but this is going to be an interesting point to see because now with Tony Khan owning it and whatever. Still nine ch- figures in the hole. Yeah. Whatever change is going to happen to that company, we're going to start seeing at that card. This does help out AEW tremendously because we've touched upon this many times. Their roster is way oversaturated. Mm-hmm. Half of that talent is going to ROH, and that's not a bad thing. But for anybody else, it's a very interesting playing field to to take part of. Right. Because how is the setup going to be? How is the business going to be? We don't know. I mean, it, I think it's going to be done a lot like AEW. And I, I, I'm hoping that... With the addition of William Regal, maybe he'll be able to maybe. get Tony's ear. Like, I mean, that's the thing is they're going to need a streaming thing for it because if memory serves, AEW's TV contract doesn't come up until 2024. Yeah. So it's not unless they work out some deal for ROH specifically with Turner Broadcasting, you're not going to see it insert. You're not going to see TBS or TNT or True TV make out a slot for them, you know, out of the current contract. Like, it's not in the current contract. No, what I think they should do is go on HBO Max and run it like NXT used to do on the network. Run it every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. HBO has been wanting, Maxwell has been wanting to do live sports. They haven't done it yet, but there's been talk about it. It'd be the smart thing to do, especially that video library, which I think Tony is, I think that's the big win right there. But I also think it helps out their roster. But what they do after that is anybody's guess, because it's like when WWE bought ECW. Right. It wasn't the same. I think, unfortunately, the days of ROH being ROH are done. But we'll have to see when the product starts rolling out. If it's going to be held like a developmental, like it's been heavily alluded to, mm-hmm. I think that could be good and bad depending on who's involved. But we just have to see when it all happens. But it's an exciting time for a wrestling fan because you'll see that library. You'll see All In, finally, because I know that's been held up for ever in a day. So AEW's got a lot on their plate right now coming off Revolution. How they're going to shape this all up is remains to be seen, but we'll definitely be talking about that. And we definitely want to talk to you about that, ODPH Society. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. AEW Revolution, what's your thoughts? Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor, what's your thoughts? And always remember, check out 607TWS for more wrestling content and blogs count anywhere on ODPHpodcast.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got to talk a little bit of local minute. Uh, looking at the standings for the Federal Hockey League, uh, you've got the Watertown Wolves still in first place, a record of 31-9. and nine. Uh, they've outclinched a playoff spot. Columbus is in second place with a record of 24-12. and 12. They have clinched a playoff spot. Danbury is in third place with a record of 28-15. and 15. They have clinched a playoff spot. And sitting in fourth place is your Binghamton Black Bears with a record of 24-17. and 17. And they also have clinched a playoff berth. Not sure what it means or what the playoff setup is like, but we will see that when it comes to. But, hey, Binghamton is in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, looking at their schedule from this past week, uh, their game on Friday, March 4th, they played against the Watertown Wolves, where they lost by the final score of 6-5 to five in overtime. Uh, came back Saturday, played the Wolves again. Uh, this was at home, where they won by the final score of 4-3, to three, again, in overtime. Sunday, they finished out their three-game uh, three series against the Watertown Wolves, uh, winning by the final score of 4-2. to two. Uh, Looking ahead to their schedule, they have this coming week. Friday, March 11th, they are on the road in Danbury uh, playing the Hat Tricks. That is at 7 o'clock Eastern. Saturday, March 12th, 7 o'clock Eastern, they come back home to play the aforementioned Danbury Hat Tricks. Uh, and uh, then they are off until the following week. Uh, so more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Uh, switching to my bases, got to talk about a little bit of baseball because, as we mentioned last week and we got into, uh, they do have the lockout still going on. That is still going on. The, uh, both sides have met. They've been trying to make compromises. I know one of the ones that has been made is that uh, should they play this season, uh, the playoff format would be the 12-team uh, playoff rather than the 14-playoff mm-hmm. team or 14-team playoff. So that's been agreed to. They're still going back and forth, but it was announced, or uh, according to an article from Jeff Passan of ESPN.com, uh, they are going to cancel another week of games if a deal is not reached by Tuesday night. Uh, so this re- article on ESPN.com reads, quote, Major League Baseball plans to cancel another week of regular season games if it can't agree to a new collective bargaining agreement with the MLB Players Association by Tuesday night, adding another layer of pressure onto already tense negotiations as the league's lockout nears its 100th day. Sources familiar with the situation told ESPN, ESPN uh, close quote. So again, th- this is the uh, owners being pretentious pricks, you know, putting these deadlines on and the whole and these ridiculous submissions and offers where nothing has changed and then the players say no we're not going to agree to something you haven't changed and then that just makes the players look awful so again fuck the owners yep uh there is some good coming out of both the players association and major league baseball itself uh again from an article on espn.com uh, Major League Baseball launched a $1 million fund Tuesday to support spring training workers impacted by canceled games, matching the amount of the fund the Players Association announced last week. MLB said the money will be administered uh, by teams to part-time and seasonal workers based on financial need. Eligible groups include concessionaries, grounds crew, security, clubhouse, and ballpark workers. So obviously with this whole nonsense going on, the players are quote unquote training, but they're doing it on their own at wherever they're held up for their, their headquarters for the, the lockout stuff. So there, but there are no workers and anyone who works as a seasonal worker at one of these spring training facilities is out of a job right yeah. now. So they're losing pay, but there is now $2 million set aside from both the players association and the owners to help out these affected players to which I say, Hey, good on you. At least you're doing something right there. I mean, obviously the owners are doing bad. The players like I, I it's a tough call. Yeah. You know, like I say, I, I 
I just still can't fathom how baseball can find a way to screw this up. Yeah. Time after time after time with the owners and the players. I just I don't get it. I listen, man. I put I put this fully on the owners. The owners did not have to do this. You went fucking four months from the initial offer to even come back with a counter offer. And then you went another two months before you countered that counter offer. So fuck the owners. Yeah, I mean it's just it's a no win situation yeah. ever with that sport. Uh, and if baseball does come back this season, there will be a new broadcaster entering the fray on Friday nights. Oh, that being Apple. Uh, so uh, again, article on ESPN.com. Apple will enter the live sports coverage arena with Friday night baseball. Hmm. Apple and Major League Baseball announced Tuesday that Apple TV Plus will carry a weekly doubleheader on Friday nights in eight countries when the regular season begins. Games will initially be available without the need for Apple TV subscription. Major League Baseball has been under work stoppage since owners locked out players and in the end of the collective bargaining agreement at 97 days, it is the second longest work stoppage in baseball history. The broadcasts on Apple TV will include pregame and postgame shows and will not be subject to local broadcast blackout restrictions. Besides being shown in the United States, Canada, and Mexico, games will also be initially will also be initially be available in Australia, Brazil, Japan, South Korea, and the United Kingdom. The agreement also includes the MLB Big Inning weekday show for fans in the U.S. as well as a live stream channel for those watching in the U.S. and Canada. So I think this is a good move, all things considered, because I know ESPN has the deal with the NHL where they do that. And it'd be great to watch Ranger games on there since I have Hulu Live and the MSG Network isn't included on Hulu Live. Yeah. But frequently the Ranger games are on ESPN+. Plus, So I go, oh, hey, let me watch Rangers game on ESPN+. Plus. Fuck, I can't. Broadcast, local broadcast blackout. That's not going to be an issue with that. I know Amazon has been doing, uh, was doing baseball broadcasts last year. Not anything super frequent, but it was like maybe one day, one game a day, one game a week. I know I watched the Yankees game on there a couple of times, you know, but this seems to be the first big push by, you know, somebody other than the broadcasting networks to broadcast baseball. And I'm intrigued to see, see them do it. Yeah. It's a definitely intriguing option. That we just got to kind of see, well, obviously when the season kicks in, but, yeah. you know, to get more content on a streaming service is yeah. huge. Yeah. And for Apple. Hey, good for you. This is a big move for them. Yes. So for my base, uh, very quickly, obviously we got to mention Excite Wrestling is doing their Excite 10 show this week yeah. at the X. So if you're local, ExciteWrestling.com slash tickets, I believe, for more information, or just hit I them up on the so. website. Their Facebook page, go there. That's where Johnny is most active. Uh, he was just on 607 TWS. So we're going to tell you to go right there and go make sure you secure those tickets. It's looking like a solid card. A couple shakeups from what the original announcement was. Don't want to get into that on air. So ExciteWrestling.com for all that information. But lastly, we got to talk some UFC. Okay. So obviously UFC 272 went down this past week. Yes. And honestly, I don't want to say I was surprised. This was very much like how we predicted on the show. Yep. So we're just going to kind of break down the main card here for you. Uh, yeah, so the first matchup in the main card was between Greg Hardy and uh, Sergey Spivak, and you had Spivak knock out Greg Hardy at 2 minutes and 16 seconds of the first round. Excellent. Cut Greg Hardy. Uh, I believe this was the final fight on his contract, so all signs would point to that's going to happen. Listen, at this stage in the game, I'm sorry. It's it's The experiment's over. He's done. Done. Last I want to talk about him on the show. Next up. Uh, was in the welterweight division between uh, Alex Oliveira and Kevin Holland, and you had Kevin Holland emerge victorious, knocking out uh, Alex Oliveira at 38 seconds of the second round. So this was kind of surprising. 
Uh, Holland, he looked okay. Okay. Didn't look like, I don't want to say it was a, it was a lights out performance. I know he immediately called out a favorite of the show. Oh yeah. One Donald Cowboy Cerrone after. And Cerrone has answered, I'm already booked against Joe Lozon. I'll say he's in a war for Joe Lozon. That's old school. Yes. But he said, as soon as that's done, I'll be around. That's assuming they don't kill each other because, hey, if you've ever seen Joe Lozon and Donald Cerrone fight, it's not exactly a very technical matchup. The only thing you need to know is somebody's going to bleed. Uh-huh. And a a lot. lot. So, Holland, though, like I said, he he looked uh, pretty good at 170, so I can't complain too much about that. Uh, so, we'll kind of have to wait to see how it goes from here, but definitely was interesting. Uh, next up was in the featherweight division between Bryce Mitchell and Edson Barbosa. What fucking ring rust. Bryce Mitchell emerged victorious, uh, winning by unanimous decision. This was insane. Uh, it seems very one, uh, one-sided. Uh, 30-25, 30-26, 30-27. Yeah. This was just Bryce came back, looked fantastic. Uh, I'm excited to see who he's fighting next. I don't have a prediction. Oh, okay. But he, he looked really good, especially with all that time off. So Thug Nasty is back. Who wants a part? Who wants them? Uh, next up was the co-main event of the evening and uh, catchweight uh, fight of 160 pounds. You had uh, Rafael Dos Anjos uh, defeat Renato Moicano by unanimous decision. Uh, 49-45, 49-44, 50-44. I mean, listen, this was no surprise at all. Moicano took this fight on like four days' notice. Yeah, it was, it was insane. And he fought like two weeks prior, so... Hey, kudos to you, sir, for taking the fight on such short notice. Not a surprise. No, definitely not a surprise at all. Listen, Moicano, this is not a bad loss for no. him. He stepped in. He was outclassed. But, like, listen, the time frame to get a good camp in and get ready for this wasn't there. But I applaud him for stepping up because I wish more fighters would do this. We, you know, we kind of sit there and say, you're in the business of fighting, but you won't take fights. Just saying. But, yeah. you know, RDA looked like RDA. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. Um I mean, it looks good for his stats. Yeah, so you know, because at the end of the day, nobody's going to care about the result because it was, it, you know, it wasn't a big name. So it's it's a good win, regardless of the circumstances in the situation. It's a win for him. It's going to look good on the record. Yeah, exactly. So a lot to be you know happy about if you're in the RDA yeah. camp. Uh, and then next up was the main event of the evening in the welterweight division, where you had Colby Covington defeat Jorge Masvidal by unanimous decision, 49-46, 50-44, 50-45. I mean, this one was pretty much like we talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, Covington just outpaced him. He, he was the better fighter top to bottom. Ah, like, Masvidal, like, he got paid right before the fight, too. He got a right. brand new contract from the UFC. Yeah, I did see that. minute that happened, I was like, oh, how hungry is he going to be? Because, I mean, obviously they tried hyping up the grudge match and sure. the bad blood. Sure, oh, they, they were pushing that very heavy. Oh, absolutely, and I get that. And I'm not saying it's not real because I think to a degree. But when you're in the business of fighting – you got to go out there and fight. Mm-hmm. Covington was looking like the best fighter in that division, not named Kamaru Usman. Yeah. And he proved it in this one. Like, love him or hate him, because obviously the character is a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. He goes out and he wins. And he looked very good doing it. I don't know who he's going to be facing next, though, because you kind of have to sit back and go, well, Usman, he's not going to be fighting. I know that a lot of people are talking about he could have the winner of a fight that was just announced for April. Okay. Gilbert Burns yep. against the one only Hazmat Chimeyev. Oh, I'd, I'd be all right with either of those guys going up against him. I would, too. And I think if Chimeyev wins, which I do like him against Burns. I, I, I do, too. I do, too. Chimeyev versus Covington could be out of control on a whole different level of trash talk. <laughs> like, that one, you might see me throw the 80 bucks down to see. To quote Terrell Owens, get your popcorn ready. Yeah, because that one would be completely out of control. I know. Uh-huh. 
I and I think that that makes more sense than the Dustin Poirier fight. I understand yeah. Yeah. trash talk and family members yeah. were brought in, so I, I understand that fight if it gets made. Poirier can call his own shot because he's one of the most sought after fighters in the UFC right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily know how that shapes up. Yeah, I think though you're going to see the Chimaev fight mm-hmm. more than you will the Poirier one. Yeah. Just because Poirier, like I said, can call his own shots. I know that he's been rumored to be fighting everybody from Connor to yeah. Nate Diaz to, yeah. you know, Masvidal himself, even though for Masvidal, I think at this stage, you're going to be in big money fights. Obviously out yeah. of contention in, the, yeah. in that division. That's not a slight to him at yeah. any way, way, shape or form. But in this stage, there's only certain people you can go fight. The Conor McGregor idea has I'm been for that one. I think should. I think at this stage, both of them should go in there and do that. Yeah. The only other wild card you have is Nate Diaz yeah. or Nick. Yeah. If you can get Nick to go in the cage. Triple threat. Oh, please give it to me. I would love to see that fight happen because I think at this stage for Masvidal, that's the only fights you can do is these, sure. big, is these big money fights. At this point, yeah. he's been Listen, he's been in the game for so long that, like, I don't, barring some sort of bizarre, crazy run he goes on, I don't think he's got another title run in him. Yeah, and I don't want to see him, you know, be like in a gatekeeper position where he's going to be fed to somebody that's a young up and coming prospect. Yeah, I don't either. Like, I don't want to see that for him. Cause he's, he's like I say, he's a great fighter, but at this stage in the game, I mean, he's got a lot of tread on the tires. I think doing the big money fights is the only way he should be going and should looking at it. And the UFC would make a ton of bank off him too. So, Absolutely. you know, that's where I think they should go with it. But it was kind of like how we predicted though, for UFC 272. Uh, it was also announced during the uh, card that Habib Nurmagomedov, the uh, former UFC lightweight champion is uh, going to be the next in- inductee to the quote unquote modern wing of the UFC hall of fame. Good. Makes perfect sense. Obviously Habib, Perfect run in the UFC, yeah, and retired as champ. I mean, what what else can you say about it? No. Also, uh, congratulations to uh, MMA news. Congratulations to Ariel Hawani. Uh, announced on Twitter today that he and his wife earned their U.S. citizenship. Oh, congratulations! Yeah. That's awesome news. Ariel Hawani and his wife now U.S. citizens. Congratulations to you, sir. Absolutely. I know that I've read and studied about the test to get do that. Not exactly easy. No, it is definitely not. So obviously, kudos to him and his wife. I mean, that's awesome news to hear. Yeah. So, Pat, that being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf. Now, we talked to Brian. Brian talks sports. He's got to be ecstatic about Aaron Rodgers. Can't wait to catch up with him. But, Pat, if I want to go talk to Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing it over the music section. Check out everything going on with Brian. Everything going on with Second Suitor. I almost said Fair City Fire, but they're on hiatus right now. Right. Second Suitor, Tom Jolo, Yard Party, Floodlands. Shout out to Robots. All fantastic people you should definitely go support. Go get their music because they're great. We highly endorse it here. Also, while you're at the website, check out the directory, which how many providers are we on now, Pat? Uh, 10,802. Correct. So if we're not on your favorite podcast player, let us know. We have links right there so you can listen to the show right there from your desktop, your phone, wherever you listen to podcasts for them. We're there. Also, check out the classified section, which has friends of the show. Organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we're in. And, of course, links to our good friends over at 8122 Productions. So if you want to get on their Patreon, boom, it's right there. If you want to talk to Horror Zone 607, which finally emerged from the dead because they've been on hiatus. because uh, I Mike, see what you did there. Because Mike C. has not been in studio, but he finally graced us with his presence this past week. Episode's out right now. You can get the links right there. All that. The T Public Store. Sale is going on this week. What better time to go get some swag? There is none. Is there? No. So you definitely want to go take advantage of the sale starting on Wednesday, going through the weekend. 
So you definitely want to take advantage. I believe the items are going to be up to 35% off because that's how it usually rolls with them. So you want to take advantage of it. That's what I'm telling you. Go get it right now. All that parlay points, new blogs dropping this week. So much more. That's why I said go to the website and find out for yourself. That's odphpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week. So for the one only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros and fuck Rob Manfred. I'm your host, Kenan. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. I can't change them